ready and jump in here. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. We glorify and magnify you in the beauty of your holiness. We thank you for all that you do and all that you're continuing to do in our lives. And we just lift you up high above all others right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we have been in this series um, called Training the Inner Man. And uh, the last couple of weeks we've looked at what is the inner man and how to train it. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Ted looked at uh, uh, the book of the kingdom. And, and basically, that if we don't develop a lifestyle where everything is based on the word, we're not strong. Uh, if we want to be good, strong believers, you have to have a regular diet of the word. You say, well, I can't understand it. Then find you a version you can understand. Um, there are some that's good, some that's bad, but at least get started somewhere. Uh, that's uh, going to be my big push for you tonight, is get in the Word because the Word is important, and we'll actually cover that again uh, a little bit. And uh, we've, over the last few months, we have really covered, you know, righteousness and how there is nothing needed, nothing any of us can ever do to make us more righteous than we are. But does that mean we don't grow? Well, the purpose of this series is to say, hey, these are the things you need to do to continue to grow. And um, so we want to look at that. And so tonight, I want to look at something that um, a lot of people don't really understand, so they don't do it. Or if they do do it, and most of you will say, well, I do that all the time. I don't think we really understand what it is. And so uh, maybe next week, I'll decide here in a minute, uh, we do it wrong. Uh, you know you can do a good thing wrong and still get good results. Um, go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29. And if you're watching online, welcome. But I'll tell you, I just heard somebody in the crowd say, you should be here. It's better in the house. You can get the same information, but there's something else. Some things are better caught than taught. And that's what happens. Um, so Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of peace and not evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Then you shall call upon me, and you shall come and pray to me, and I will listen. You shall seek me and find me. You shall search with, for me with all your heart. Prayer. How many of you pray? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand. Oh, hi, Janet. <laughs> we all pray. But I think sometimes we don't understand the value of prayer. We don't understand what's really happening in prayer. Um, we, we do it because, well, we, we do it because we've been taught to feel guilty if we don't. And so, oh, make sure you pray. Uh, we're taught that uh, prayer is a way to manipulate God. Uh, now, we would never say those words just that plainly, but that's really what we believe. Ian e. Bounds said this about prayer. Excuse me. He said, those who know God the best are the richest and most powerful in prayer. 
In other words, if you want to really get to know God, you've got to spend time in prayer. And let me tell you, I'm not one of these people that says, well, you have to pray an hour a day. But you know how easy that is? You know how easy it is to pray an hour a day? When you start praying two minutes here, five minutes there, three minutes here, you can pray an hour a day easily. It's not hard. But we've got this thing in our head where we sit down, we got to work it out. It becomes a task. It becomes tedious. Prayer should never be a task to a believer who understands what prayer is. Prayer will never be a task to a believer who understands what prayer is. Bounds goes on to say, little acquaintance with God and strangeness and and coldness to him make prayer a rare and feeble thing. And then he goes on to say this, the secret of success in Christ's kingdom is the ability to pray. Now, if you want to know who that is, E.M. Bounds wrote about six books on prayer. Will be some of the, you won't agree with everything in it, I don't, but some of the greatest books and some of the greatest teachings on prayer you'll ever hear. And they're old now. These are old books now, okay? Um, But I thought about this this week. You know, Pastor Ted taught last week the book of the kingdom. And so I thought, okay, we're going into prayer. What is prayer? Prayer then is the conversation of the kingdom. Prayer should always be, and you're going to hear this several times tonight, prayer is a conversation. You ever been in a room with someone who never shuts up? And you can't get a word. Don't look at each other, my gosh. <laughs> but, but, you know, you get there and nobody else is talking. And, and, and they, they're never quiet. That's the way we treat prayer. We go into God and we start telling him everything that's wrong and everything that's happening and God this and God that and dinner is this and this and this and this and God there's this and this and I need this and I need this and I need this and I okay, thank you in Jesus' name, amen. And we walk away and we never wait. The secret of of the success of Christ's kingdom is the ability to have a conversation, not just spout a bunch of words. And I, when I say that's when we're doing it wrong, is because that's what generally most believers has been taught about prayer. Pray over your food. You know, we got to pray before we eat. You know, Jesus didn't pray before he ate. Now, wait a minute. How do you know this? I can tell you how I know this. He was a Jew. Jewish people pray after they eat. To thank God for what they have partaken in and to thank God for what they've had. But we've been taught, you do this. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. I want to talk about the conversation of the kingdom. We have to get our minds wrapped around prayer being a conversation with our king and not just a list of needs, wants, and desires. And it's so sad that most of us have taken it into that area. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. He was praying in a certain place, and when he had ceased, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his 
disciples. God wants us to learn how to pray. I'm going to sit down here. Let's take our time with this tonight. God wants us to learn how to pray. He wants us to learn how to have a conversation. And here's the thing, that us good charismatic Pentecostals, whatever, we think that's just praying tongues more. Well, that goes on to me still never shutting up and never having that conversation. Now, should we be praying in tongues? Absolutely, every believer should. Uh, you say, well, I don't know about that. It's in the Word. You know, let's just settle that's in the Word. But it's the conversation of the kingdom. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 6. He says, but when you pray, I still hear pages, I'll wait. Matthew 6, 6. And if you are using your phone and you have the version app, the notes are there. Um, but when you pray, enter into your closet, your secret place, your uh, quiet, put away. Uh, actually, that word is often used when they talk about a vault or a place of, of a treasure. Man, imagine if we, taught, if we believed prayer was us going into a place where treasure is found. Where it goes into a place where the treasures of heaven are all found in there. And that word closet there is actually, it means like a vault or a treasury. It's something that's in, in, inside the house. It's, you know, the deeper stuff in the house. He says, go to your closet. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. But when you pray, now, everybody's got your Bible out, right? Or your phones or something. Listen. When you pray, this is a command. You do not use vain repetitions. What's that mean? Praying the same thing over and 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 over. Well, we don't do that. There's other denominations that they have their, their ritualistic prayers and that's what they do. We do the same thing. I had a call from a, from a person in Tennessee this week. And they said, listen, somebody ran into somebody who comes from the same area of theology that you do. And they were a little upset because the person said, well, if you're believing God for healing, um, you, you, uh, you, you pray once and you move on. And they said, now how's that even scripture? I said, well, it's not wrong to pray for something more than one time. Our problem is, if, say, we're believing God for healing. We go in and we ask God, then faith has to kick in. And what faith does is, if Emily comes to me and says, hey, I've got a, a, a need that's coming up in the near future. I need $100. Now, let's make it good. I need $1,000. And I say, Okay. And she knows me. What's the first words out of her mouth? Is what? Thank you. Okay. So the first words are out of her mouth. Why would she thank me? She didn't have money in her hand. Why does she know she's going to get it? Say it again, Bob, real loud. She knows me. See, we fall into vain, repetitious prayers because we don't really know God. We don't really trust him. 
So Emily says, thank you. Well, she sees me next week. Okay. I know she has the need. And, and we have this conversation. She comes up and says, hey, I just want to say thank you again. Thanks for making sure I'm going to get that money. I, I know, you, you know, what's she doing? She has faith in me. But what if she come up to me and she said, oh, I just want to tell you, I've got this need. I need $1,000. And what did she just tell me? And I go, yeah, I know. But what did she just tell me about myself? She don't trust me. She don't trust me, so she thinks she has to tell me again. Are you okay? We've, we've all prayed like this. Well, then next week goes by, and she says, oh yeah, in case you forgot, I remember I have this need coming up. There's no faith here now. There's no faith being put into this. And so what prayer has become is not this once, it's not this bilateral thing where we're both conversing and I'm talking to her about her need and I'm finding out and I'm doing all What it's become is a one-time repetitious request over and over. And we think we're praying successful prayers. And he says, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. Woo! Now, it's hard to understand that if we don't, but what have we been taught? Well, we've been taught mistranslated scriptures. Pray and keep on praying. Ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Okay, going on. I guess I'm the only one that's ever heard that one. He said, but when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. Listen to what he says. For they think they are heard for their much speaking. We think we're going to have God, we're going to manipulate God by me talking to him long enough. I, I wish Rachel was still in here. Just a few minutes ago, we saw a prime example of how we treat our father. She wanted mom's attention. So what was she doing? Mom, 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 mom. Why? See, that gets on, that gets, that got on, whose, whose nerves did that get on just now? <laughs> How does our father think when we come to him with the same thing, asking the same way over and over and over? Thank God he's patient. Thank God he is patient. Because I have fallen into this. But that's not what prayer is. Prayer should be a conversation. He says, for they think they're heard for their much speaking. Look at verse 8. Do not be like them. For your father knows what things you have need before you ask. You've got to remember who you're talking to. You've got to remember that you're talking to someone who already knows what you have need of. You come before him thinking you're going to surprise him with some big need. And he's just looking for you to come in and have a conversation. And when you pray, go into the place where your treasure's kept. 
Talk to your father who is in secret and he will reward you openly. And when you pray, don't use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think they're heard for their much speaking. Folks, prayer should never become so one-sided that we don't hear him speak back. But man, don't, am I not good at it. <laughs> I'm good at it. I'm that annoying, hey dad, 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 hey dad. The whole story of the Bible is God longing for that personal relationship between you and him. And there cannot be any personal relationship if there is never a conversation to be had. What kind of relationship would Dee and I have if we, every time we got together, I just ran my mouth at her for about 30 minutes and then walked away? <laughs> and I didn't try to speak to her again until I needed something or I wanted something. And so I ran over to her, <laughs> trying to get what I want, thinking that I can talk her down. Isn't that what our children do to us all the time? They thought they could talk us down. If they just kept talking long enough, they could talk their blessing down. We do the same thing. Folks, that's not what prayer is. Prayer is going before. Now, yeah, he said make your request known to God. Make all your requests. Let him know what you have need of. But remember, you're going before him because he wants you to. He already knows what you have need of. He already knows what you want. He already knows what you need. He knows Emily needs that $1,000. Even before she asked for it. Our problem is we don't know our God. And what we do know has been taught to us by years of tradition, by years of religion that says you can manipulate God. If you, well, we don't really believe that. Yes, you do. Look at your Facebook posts. We're convinced if we can get enough likes, give me enough good vibes. I hate that. Give me, everybody pray. If I can get enough people praying my way, I can move God. When what moves God is faith. Prayer is how you become close to God. It's not how you manipulate God to get what you need. Are, are we, everybody good? I know. <laughs> Even though God desires our relationship with him, it's, it has to be this communication. God wants to communicate with you the mysteries of the universe. He wants you to know these things. He wants you to understand things. I, I, you know, I, I thought about that when I was uh, writing this message up. And Reese came down one time and he said, man, you'll never believe what happened to me. I said, What? He said, I was praying, and I told God, I want to see the universe. He said, man, all of a sudden, I had this vision, and all these things were flying past me, and it was things I, excuse me. He said, I thought, what in the world is this doing in the universe? What is this? This is, and, and he said, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit told him, said, that's not the universe. He said, that's the microcosm. The small things of the universe, not the big things of the universe. And we think somehow that he doesn't know what we need. 
He wants to show us the mysteries of the universe. But, you know, to do that, we have to have a conversation. When Dee and I first got married, I wanted to know her. I wanted to know everything about her. And so we would have bathroom conversations. She's embarrassed. I'm not. It doesn't bother me. And that way, if one of us was in the shower or one of us was in the tub, the other one would sit outside in the shower or the tub, cause, and we would talk. Well, how does a woman think about this? Well, what do you think about this? Well, how does a man see this? How do you think about it? And we would ask, if, you, if it can be asked of, a, of, a, of a, another person, we ask it. If it was ever a thought, you know what that did for us, Ted? That made sure I knew her. You know? It not, not just intimate time. That's not, that's not knowing. That, that's all good. But knowing is when I know what she's thinking. And I can see her in a situation. God wants us in the same place. He wants us to have bathroom conversations with him. Where it's so thing, where we're never afraid to ask. Well, you never question God. Whoever said that? Whoever said that? David questioned God all the time. I just showed you Sunday, John the Baptist himself said, hey, are you really him or should we look for another? God is not afraid of your questions because he wants you to understand him. He wants you to know him. But how do we hear him? Go to 1 Samuel chapter 3. How do we hear God. I want to encourage you, if you ever can get a chance, you can probably order it. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name in which he was going to come here a few years ago for me and COVID hit. Uh, there's a gentleman, his name is Mark Verkler, V-I-R-K-L-E-R. -E He's got a little book that's called uh, Four Steps to Hearing God or something like that. Uh, great little book. So I encourage you, get it, read it. It'll, it'll help you. So, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. Now, I want you to notice what's so important here. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. They were living in a time where God did not speak to people very often. And he only spoke to certain people. We don't live in that time anymore, folks. When Jesus cried, it is finished, and the veil was rent from top to bottom, Holy Spirit moved out, and on the day of Pentecost, he filled humanity. He filled believers. We have God on the inside now. We can hear him if we take time to listen. He says, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no vision coming forth. At that time, Eli was lying down in his place, now his eyes had begun to grow weak that he could not see. And the lamp of, the, of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark was. What does the ark represent? Now Pastor Ted's taught this. The presence of God. So where was Samuel laying down? Where the presence of God was. If we want to have these types of conversations... With God, we're going to have to get to the place where we're quiet, and I'll get into this a little bit more in detail later, where we're quiet and where the presence of God is. 
Well, where's the presence of God? He's in you. So you need to get to a place where you're quiet. That's why he said in Matt, uh, the scripture we read earlier in Matthew, he said, you go get into your quiet place, your closet, your treasurer, your vault, the place where nobody's at. Our problem is we don't spend enough time in the quiet place. And when we are in the quiet place, we don't spend enough time shutting our big mouth. <laughs> we just say, okay, I'm going to go before God in prayer. You know, today's um, corporate prayer time was fantastic. You know what we prayed about? Nothing. It was on rest. Getting in God's presence and just staying quiet. See, that's where conversations have. When I take a, a breath, now how, how my son became a quiet person, I don't know. Because he was raised in a house with me, Dee, and Sydney. None of us are quiet. Okay? But there's a time, if I just get in these presence and I never get time for her to say back to me what she thinks, what she sees, I'll never really have that relationship with her. We got to do that place. So Samuel was lying down in the house where the presence of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel and he answered, here am I. And he ran to Eli, here am I for you called me. And said, and, and Eli said, I did not call. Return and lie down again. And so he went and lay down. And the Lord called Samuel again. So Samuel rose and he went to Eli and he said, here am I for you called me. And he answered, I did not call you, my son. Return and lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. Nor had the word of the Lord been revealed to him. Verse 8, the Lord called to Samuel again a third time. So he rose and went to Eli, here am I, for you called me. Here's, this, is, this is such a picture of us. Do you know how often you hear the voice of God? But we call it our conscience. Or we wonder, why did that just flash through my mind? Why all of a sudden did I think about Linda? Or, <laughs> I come through the house one night, and Dee's on the phone. And she's uh, talking to somebody, and I hear all this noise and all this uh, yelling on the other end of the phone. And I'm going, what's going on? She said, just go pray. About what? She didn't tell me. But see, I have to have enough trust in my father that he and I can have a conversation. So I went and I prayed. I said, okay, Lord, I don't know what's going on. So I'm just going to pray. I'm praying tongues a little while. And you need to tell me. Well, all of a sudden, I went, huh. And I went back in and she hung up the phone. I said, this happened, this happened, this happened, and this happened. Step by step of what happened of what they were telling her on the phone. Well, how did you do that? Because I had a conversation with God. We have to, our problem is, like Samuel, we don't recognize his voice. Mm, are you hearing me? We don't recognize his voice, and so we just let those things pass. 
And we let him just go to the wayside and think, oh, that wasn't God. Man, you can be driving into Wendy's drive through and he speaks to you. You can look at something in a, in a book, in the Bible. Uh, you can see a sign on the road that says something weird, but all of a sudden there's a, ooh, that done something to my spirit. Why? Because you're, you're hearing that conversation. But we are so, we've been so taught not to be the weird ones. You brush that stuff off. And we don't understand. And so we don't hear God. And we think somebody, that's the pizza talking, that's the hamburger talking, that's something else. That's not coming from me. We have to learn what God's voice sounds like. We want to hear God scream at us. And God wants you to be able to hear him whisper. Go to verse 9. Well, let's finish verse 8. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And it will be if he calls you that you'll say, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and he called as at another, as at other times. Samuel, Samuel, then Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. Then the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am doing something in Israel which will make both ears ring of everyone that hears it. Only when he realized who he was talking to did he recognize the voice that was talking. Eli had to tell him, it's the Lord talking to you. Go back, lay down, say, Lord, I'm listening. And then he heard, folks, I want to challenge you. As we're looking at training the inner man, this is, this is spiritual training now, okay? We've talked about identity. We've talked about the kingdom. We've talked about your, your, it's, all the grace is all settled. This is training. You have to learn to be quiet before God. So that he can speak. Well, what if I get it wrong? What if I miss it? Welcome to humanity. Welcome to humanity. You're going to miss it sometimes. You're not always going to get it right. You know why? Because we're not perfect. But you can, you can get better and better. Have you ever been in service and you wonder, uh, Jody or, 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 or Idra or one of them will come up and say, I just hear the Lord saying, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden there was this audible voice that says, Thus saith the Lord, this is, you know. But that's what we think because we saw Jesus come up from being baptized. And there's a, said, there's a sound from heaven. This is my beloved son and who I am will please. But it's just kind of this inward knowing. Uh, uh, Idra will come up front and say, well, I had this picture of a gym sock. I don't know. She don't really, she may have not really seen a gym sock. It was an impression in her spirit. This is the voice of the Lord. Well, I feel uh, Sunday, uh, Linda come up saying, I feel like the Lord has said somebody needs something with, was it sinuses or whatever it was? Um, now, that doesn't mean that the Lord came to her, stood right in front of her and said, hey, listen to me. Somebody's having sinus problems. 
No, it was just this, it's inward knowing. But see, unless we spend time having this conversation, we will always be struggling and we'll get frustrated. Here's, here's what happens. We get frustrated thinking God doesn't talk to me like he does everybody else. He never stops talking to you. Your spirit hears him all the time. We just push it off. And we say, that can't be God. Why do you think he told you, to, he woke you up and all you could think about all day long was Emily? Well, did you stop to pray for her or ask God, hey, what's going on with Emily? Well, no, I just, she was on my mind and, and we don't recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. We pass it off. And our, our goal in this series is to train the Spirit. Because you are spirit people, you are spiritual people. Go to Psalm chapter 29. Are you, are you, is this pretty understandable? I just feel like I wanted to sit down and just do this tonight. Um, Psalm 29 verse 3. He said, the, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory, the God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord sounds with strength. The voice of the Lord with majesty. And see, that's where we stop. <sighs> Younger parents here, listen to me. Don't get in a place where they don't think you're serious unless you're yelling. Because later on, they're going to they're gonna raise up being heard by God, trying to hear God, and they're only going to think... God's only serious because a parent is only serious when they're red in the face and they're yelling. Okay. Free advice. <laughs> because we are their example of God. We are their example. And so if mom and dad's really not serious until they're yelling and screaming, God's really not serious until I can hear him thunder and I can hear him wail. Verse 7. Verse 7. The voice of the Lord flashes like flames of fire. So not only is his voice heard, sometimes his voice can be seen. Like driving through Wendy's and seeing something. The reason I say that, I, I, the, a Wendy's years ago had something on their bulletin board outside. It hit me spiritual, and I preached a whole two or three messages on it. He can talk about anything. Sometimes his voice is seen. Sometimes his voice is heard. You are not going crazy. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit talking. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. So sometimes his voice is loud and it's booming and it's like, Hey, Marcy! Sometimes you don't hear that voice at all. But you see something and it speaks to you. We, we say, well, I don't know if I really believe that. Why do we say that if we buy a certain type of clothing? I just saw it and it just spoke to me. <laughs> Why can't we just let God speak to us like that? Where we see something. Because he wants to talk to you at all times. And he doesn't need loud thunderings to always talk. Sometimes it's a sign. Listen, go to John chapter 10 verse 27. I want you to become adept to this. You, this is, 
I'm going to say it again later, but I want you. To, I want to need to say it now. These are things you can practice. You can practice prayer. Once you change your mind, what prayer is? That it's not just a list of wants, a list of requests, a list of our needs. When we change our mind and understand that prayer is the conversation of the kingdom. And it is a key to success because you get to know your God. John chapter 10, verse 27, look what he says. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. Prayer is as much about listening as it is about talking. Kevin has the perfect job for prayer. How many, how many hours a day are you in a car, Bubba? <laughs> a lot. And it doesn't mean that for the next hour while he drives from here to Wheeling or wherever else he's going, that he's just, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Sometimes it's like, let's have a conversation, Lord. I want to say something. I need you to speak back to me. Just tell me something. And listen to your spirit. Let him have that conversation with you. Uh, it, it, the car, listen, you know where I have my best conversations with the Lord? I've told you this several times. You should know this by now. Shower. In the shower. Well, why do you have conversations with the Lord? Because I can't get anywhere. There's no phone to distract me. There's no iPad to distract me. There's no D to distract me. There's nothing that can distract me. So in that little cubicle... There's room for me and him. And sometimes, you know what? I don't even start the conversation, Pastor Ted. I'm just sitting there and all of a sudden he says to me, now what does my big excited self do? Hey, D, you know what the Holy Ghost just said to me? <laughs> I got to share it with somebody. Do you know how, uh, listen, do you know how much of the stuff that I have believed over my life that he has taken out of me in the shower? He's totally changed my theological views on some things in the shower. Why? Because there's no distractions. I'm the type of person, I love music. If I'm in there studying and you come into my office, you may hear punk, you may hear metal, you may hear country. You, it don't, I don't know what you'll hear, but you're going to hear some music. Am I lying? <laughs> but there's sometimes when you just need to turn everything off. This is why I have those shower conversations. I turn it all off. All I have to do is sit and listen. I want to encourage you. This is training the inner man. So this is what today is about. Training. How do I hear God? You've got to get in that secret place and you have to learn the language of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about tongues. Even though tongues is a, a language, a form of communication... In the Holy Spirit, the language of the Holy Spirit is allowing him to speak to you while you open up and listen. How, don't raise your hands because I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I just want you to think. How many times does this, is this what our, what our prayer time looks like? 
Hey, God, I need this and this and this. What are you, what's important to you today, Holy Spirit, that I need to know? Lord, what's important today that I need to know? Speak to me, please. And then we just get quiet. And we wait. And we sit. I want to be honest with you. And I've told you all this before, so you're not, you won't be surprised. On our corporate prayer time, I pray about what Idra and them come and, and, and say, hey, we're going to pray about this. I pray about that. But the majority of my time is I sit and don't, don't do anything. I don't speak. I just listen. Because I want to hear what he says. If you don't make time for this conversation, you'll always be wondering, I wonder what the Lord really thinks. I, I challenge you to get, get along with him and say, hey, God, what do you really think about me? And, and I'm going to tell you right now, if he says you're a lousy, rotten, filthy something, that ain't God. But he may also say, I think you're the greatest person in the world, but you need to quit wearing them ugly shoes. <laughs> he may tell you there are things in your life that need to change. But understand this, Joe. Because he tells you there are things in your life that needs to change, doesn't mean that it needs to change in his life. This is working out your own salvation. <laughs> okay? But what will you do? Well, the Lord told me not to have anything to do with that. Well, good for you. He didn't tell me that. So what is sin to you because the Lord told you not to, is not sin to me. Well, no, it's a sin. It should always be. No. Don't work that way. Doesn't work that way. Jeremiah chapter 33, learn the language of the Spirit. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. That's the exciting part, Kevin, is when he shows me things I don't know. That's why I want to challenge you guys. Don't be afraid to allow your theology to change. I was talking to uh, Pastor Ted the other day. I said, I've seen his theology change even just since coming here. Because we see things differently. His has changed. Mine's changed. Don't be so dogmatic in everything you were taught <laughs> that the Holy Spirit can't move you. He wants to show you things that you don't know. But you have to learn the language of the Spirit. And the language of the Spirit is He speaks constantly. You're always hearing from God. We just have to train ourselves to listen. Go to Psalm, uh, Psalms 46. Whew. How can you sweat this much sitting down? <laughs> I thought, man, I'm just going to sit down and teach today. I never do this. Psalms 46 verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. What's the key? Be still. Well, I don't have time to be still. Yeah, you do, Kevin. 
in a car, back and forth to wherever it is you drive. You, you drive to work. I know where you work. You, you barely have time to get out of the house before you get to work. But there, are, there is times. <laughs> Bathroom conversations. <laughs> there are times. Be still. Make it part of your everyday prayer time for quiet. For quiet. Be still and know that I am God. Psalms 119. Here's another. So one part of knowing the Spirit's language is quiet. You never think that would be a part of language, of communication, quiet. People say a whole lot that they never use words for. Your eyebrows give a lot of what you're thinking away. Your smile. These are all nonverbal communicators. Holy Spirit has them too. Psalms 119, verse 103. Yes, there's a lot of... Verse 103. How sweet are your words to the taste of my mouth, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Though your precept, through your precepts, I receive understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Not only do you need times of silence, you need times of the word. The word will bring direction. That's part of prayer. Let his word speak to you. There are going to be times when you're quiet and all of a sudden a verse that you haven't heard in 15 years old. I was sitting at Ramah one day and uh, was praying about, okay, Lord, what do we do next? Where do we go? We're getting ready to graduate. What's happening here? And I had the day off and Dee was working. I don't know how that worked out. <laughs> and the Lord said, Zerubbabel. What? Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is the actual person in the Bible. And I thought, what in the world is Zerubbabel? So I went on a, on a search. And I found a scripture where the Lord said, despise not small beginnings. The word of the Lord. If we don't have the word of the Lord, we're missing a necessary lamp to our feet. The part of the conversation is quiet. Another part of the conversation is the word. Well, I just don't need the word. Then you, don't, you may not get direction because his word is a lamp to your feet. Or you may find yourself in a place where you're not supposed to be and you trip over something and you're laying in a mess before you realize that you're laying in a mess. I know that's never happened to none of us before. When the lamp, we have a lamp. It's the Word of God, like Pastor Ted taught last week. It's the Word. So the language of the Spirit is quiet, and the language of the Spirit is the Word. Second, first Kings, not, not second. First Kings chapter 19. First Kings chapter 19. And he said, go and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed. Now he's talking to Isaiah here. Uh, Verse 11, I'm sorry. 
And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind split the mountains and broke it into pieces, and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. He thought he's going here, this has to be God. It's so loud, so big, so powerful. This has to be God. But it wasn't. Don't judge a word from the Lord on the volume that is given. Churches has done this for way too long. Because somebody is blue in the face and they're yelling and they're screaming, that must be God. That is a powerful word from God. But if you take time and get into it, it's the depth of the skin on the bottom of your big toe. But because they said it with fervor and vigor and loud, don't judge God's word or a word from God, I should say, by the volume in which it's given. Just because it's loud doesn't mean it's any more powerful. Um, so he said, this is why people have trouble with teaching. This is why we see a room like this that should be full because it's deep messages that's coming, but there's not because people like it when the, whoever gets excited and they're moving back and forth and they're doing all because they judge a word by the volume it's given. They like it when it's easy, that's for sure. All right, let's go on. We're still in verse 11. And after the wind, an earthquake came. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice came to him and said, why are you here, Elijah? Where was God's voice? It was in that soft, quiet place. If you want to understand the language of the Spirit, sometimes it's quiet, and then we looked. Sometimes His voice is loud. Sometimes His voice can be seen. But sometimes it's just a whisper. If we never train ourselves to listen for the whisper of the Spirit, we'll miss the power of a conversation with God. Luke chapter 10 again. I think we were there earlier. I don't remember. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And as they entered into a village, village, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted. Now, I want you to understand the difference between these two ladies. One sat down at his feet to hear his words. The other was distracted. It is so important for you as a prayer warrior, as a prayer, as someone who has entered the kingdom, it's so important for your spirit to be willing to sit down and listen at the voice of the Lord without getting distracted. Because what happens most is distracted people usually get ticked off. 
But Martha was, so dis- was, was distracted by much serving. See, she was doing something good here, Linda. She was serving. She was taking care of everybody except herself. Prayer is needed for you to take care of yourself. Everybody, we live in a, we live in a world of self-help. We live in a world of, you know, I've got to take these, I've got to, I've got to do some things for myself. Pray. Pray. It's a conversation. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care? My sister has left me alone. See, this is what distracted people do. All you do is sit there at his feet. You know that prayer stuff, you're, 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 you've really taken this over the top. <laughs> we need rubber on the road here, man. We don't, you know. And so now she's ticked. She said, God, don't you care? Don't you even care? I'm serving. I'm doing all this. She said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Then tell her to help. <laughs> and Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. The results of not taking the time to sit at his feet, to having these conversations with him, is anxiety and troubles. How much of the anxiety and how much of our troubled spirits could we overcome in our lives if we spent time in a conversational prayer with God? Not request, not not. Asking for a need, saying, hey, God, man, I need to hear from you. Here's what's going on in my life. What you got for me? What, what can I do different? What can I, how can I move this? The result of her distraction was anxiety and stress. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken from her. One of the most important things (laughs) is being there. Go to John chapter 12. I'm going to read about the same family here. John chapter 12, verse uh, 1. John 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover... Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, and he had raised from the dead. And they prepared a supper for him there. You, you know, this is what Lazarus has already passed. It's already, that's already over. And they prepared a supper for him there, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. This is the same story, but we see where Lazarus was too. Mary sat at his feet. Lazarus pulled up to the table and sat and listened. (laughs) And then look at what happens. Mary took a pint of very costly ointment of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. Intimacy with God is found in a connected prayer life where it's a conversation 
by the, for her to touch him. He was the rabbi. He was the teacher. This is so intimate. Intimacy is found when we have this type of conversational prayer where we'll sit down at his feet and we'll listen. What's the result of not having this? Anxiety, trouble, stress. Train up your inner man, right? That's what we're talking about. Training the inner man. I'm going to leave you here. Here's where we're, we're going to stop. You ready? Isaiah chapter 30. <laughs> verse 20. I'm reading this out of the Passion Translation. Isaiah 30, verse 20. Even though the Lord may allow you to go through a season of hardship and difficulty, He Himself will be there with you. And prayer makes us aware that he's there. I like that. Prayer makes us aware that he's there. He will not hide himself from you. God's not staying quiet to avoid you. We just don't give him enough time to talk. He will not hide himself from you for his eyes will constantly, for your eyes will constantly see him as your teacher. When you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear his voice behind you to guide you saying, this is the right path. Follow it. These are the things that he wants to say to you. Prayer can, we have to stop. Listen to me, believers. We have to stop using prayer as an attempt to manipulate God to get what we want. But use it. We want to be good, strong, build up inner Christians, right? Training the inner man. Then prayer has to become the conversation that is needed for me to be able to be guided into what he wants. And he's always speaking to you. I challenge you to start listening. Start hearing. He's going to speak. And you're going to go, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Where did that come from? That come... That's just me. That came from inside me. Well, where do you think he lives? Holy Spirit lives in you. Learn the language of the kingdom. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. We glorify you in the beauty of your holiness. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for living on the inside of us. We ask that you just help us to continue to train our inner man to hear you, to converse with you, to have a deep, intimate relationship one-on-one -on -one with you. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. amen.